Any successful plan requires wisdom and preparation, and retirement is no different. It's time for the Plan Wise Retire Free Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome in to Plan Wise Retire Free. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. As always, we talk with Jude and Mike about the world of investing, finance, and retirement. I'm your co host, once again, Mark Killian, riding shotgun with the guys as we talk about these topics. If you've got questions or concerns anytime throughout the program, you know what to do. At this point, reach out to them at 800 779 4592. That's 800 779 4592, or go to Plan Wise Retire Free Podcast.com. Gents, what's going on? Jude, Mike, how are you? Doing awesome. Excited about today. Yo, me Mike, too. Good to see you, man. I, I missed you the last time, buddy. Well, you know, somebody's got to go fishing sometime. I, well, that's true. So, you know, somebody's got to do take care of the fishing. So good to have you back here with us on the show. And we've got a special show again this week. Uh, we, all, we had uh, a guest on our prior podcast, and we've got a guest this go-around. Jeff Levine is here with us. He is Director of Advanced Planning at Buckingham Wealth Partners. Jeff, welcome in. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, Jude, you know how this goes, buddy. When we got a guest, I get to listen and learn. So your turn, my friend. What you got? I am so excited about today because of our special guest. Jeff is very humble, but not only is he a CPA, he's got more initials behind his name than the alphabet, I think. <laughs> I This guy has probably spent most of his life being educated and then yeah, a coach of mine once said to me, every great player has a coach and has a teacher. And so I consider Jeff my coach. I'm not trying to say he's Phil Jackson and I'm Michael Jordan, but he is the top <laughs> coach when it comes to tax strategy, IRAs, and, and everything that we talk about here on the podcast. So Jeff, Mike, and I are going to throw some questions your way. Welcome today. Th- thank you. And, and, and thanks for the immense amount of pressure that you've now put on me uh, for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> you know, we talk a lot on the podcast about what we call the ticking tax time bomb. Sure. You know, we are in a once in a lifetime, once in a generation experience right now where taxes are at the lowest that we've seen in God knows how many years. And Unfortunately, the deficit has been rising faster than we've ever expected. And now with COVID, an additional $3 trillion has been added to the deficit. So I think it's created an environment where it's not only logical, but it's inevitable that taxes are going to go up. And so what we'd like to talk to you about today is what are some of the things that our clients should be doing to prepare for this ticking tax time bomb? Sure. I think you raise a really good point. It's extremely likely that taxes over the long term will rise. And there's various reasons that you you may think so, whether it's because our entitlement programs are expected to run dry over time, or we look at the deficits that are coming today. But even people who don't worry about deficit spending so much, for instance, some people are familiar with a newer economic theory called modern monetary theory, in which the deficits don't matter so much. It's more about inflation. But even there, the uh, taxes are essentially used as a tool to create more parity. And we've seen a dramatic shift in wealth to the high end of the spectrum in recent decades, you know, with the top 1% gaining a greater share of the revenue and a greater share of wealth and the top 1% of the 1% of the 1% getting, you know, an even greater share than that. So regardless of kind of which 
theory you subscribe to. Most people do feel that tax rates will rise in the future. I personally do. And you know, there's a number of ways, as you pointed out, to potentially mitigate that. But I think one of the first things for people to understand is that tax rates don't actually have to change in order for your tax rate to change, right? Like there's what goes on externally, which you can't control. And then there's what actually happens within your own household. So for instance, your deductions over time may change. You may have uh, young children that uh, you receive tax credits for right now that may age out. And so all of a sudden you may see higher tax liabilities because you no longer have a credit there. You may be an individual who, um, you know, we could look at something to the other extreme for someone who's older and who's married, and they might be subject to something called the widow's penalty when one of the spouses died. You know, we often look at marriage penalty, or we hear the term marriage penalty thrown a lot, but the widow's penalty can be just as devastating, if not more so, particularly for savers. And for those who aren't aware what I'm what I'm speaking of here, if you think about what happens when a married couple, um, when one of them, one of the spouses passes away, oftentimes everything is done by the I love you will or the I love you beneficiary form, right? Which means I love you, you love me, we leave everything to each other. And so the surviving spouse ends up with all the same IRAs and has the same essential required minimum distributions. They have all the same interests, all the same dividends, all the same capital gains. Maybe they get the pension. If it was a survivorship pension, they continue to have that. And they keep the higher social security check. So ultimately, the only thing that may go away is the lower social security check. And then instead of having the big, cushy, nice, favorable joint filer brackets, you can actually, uh, you go down to the single filer brackets after the year of death in most instances, and you might end up paying a much higher tax bill on even less income. And by the way, that's before we get into any of the other things like Medicare Part B premiums. I've worked with clients where because of the way those IRMA charges work, those income-related monthly adjustment amounts that high-income individuals pay, I've seen couples where when one spouse dies, the surviving spouse pays more for his or her own Medicare Part B than they did as a couple for both of their Medicare Part Bs while they were living. And so these are the type of things that we need to consider in addition to the external changes in tax rates. What happens to you internally when these events occur? I mean, you, you make a great point. And I, I left out one analogy because I, I want to bring Mike in here to ask some questions. I used the Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan. Well, since Mike is here, how about Bill Belichick and Tom Brady? Mike could be the the Tom oh, Brady. I'm a, oh, I'm a Steeler oh. fan. This is yeah. Painful that's for me. <laughs> I was going to ask you, G, when you went with the whole Bulls thing. I was going to say, so is Mike? Uh, is he Scotty or is he Steve Kerr? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, with that introduction, I, I know you you're ready to ask Jeff some questions. So have at it. Well, I just wanted to say the the neatest thing you said is the thing we keep continuing to say is that we need proactive tax planning. Everybody needs to do that. And it's so common for people to decide they want to do something about their taxes somewhere between January and April 15th. <laughs> Let's see what we can do to save me some taxes. And we always are looking at them. So I'm sorry, but we can't change history. So the only way you're going to do anything is to be proactive about it. You know, Mike, I, I think you hit on a really interesting point there and, and sorry to, to hop no, in, but I, I just, you know, most people you mentioned from January to April and clearly it's because that's filing season in general, right? This year is a little bit of an anomaly, but most years 
people care because that's when they're actually going to sit down with their CPAs, et cetera. And I think it's so important. I, you know, it's such a critical issue to realize that your tax preparer is not necessarily your tax planner. They can be the same person, but many, many times those are accomplished by two different persons. They're really two different things, right? One, and they're both valuable. You need a good preparer to make sure your taxes are done correctly and you don't have penalties, et cetera, unnecessarily. Things are reported. But your tax preparer is ultimately responsible for recording the history, as you already mentioned, in an appropriate fashion and making sure you pay the amount that you should based on what's already happened. A tax planner helps make sure those amounts in the future are lower. And they are two very, very different jobs. Again, the same person can do both jobs, but many times those are accomplished by two different individuals, the CPA, the enrolled agent, the other, the registered taxpayer, whomever is preparing the return is literally doing just that. And as a CPA who you know doesn't do too many returns anymore, but I've, I've been in offices and cut my teeth around you know uh, big filing seasons, you don't have time to do tax planning during filing season. You're working, you know, 12, 15, 16, 17, 18 hour days just to get the returns out the door. So to think that your CPA is actually taking the time during tax season to say, well, next year you should be doing this, this, and this, and this, it just doesn't happen that way. Yeah. And, okay. and let me give Mike some real credit here. In, in all seriousness, you guys know I like to joke around, but I think the way that Mike had started the firm over 30 years ago was from a tax perspective, doing bookkeeping and accounting. And now we see more and more financial firms trying to dip their toe into giving tax observations because in our industry, as you know, there's a, a fine line between giving tax advice and tax observation or tax education. And Mike was really before his time. In fact, you know, he's the one that convinced me many, many years ago, you're not to look at a client until you get their tax returns. And so uh, I just wanted to acknowledge that because, you know, now is particularly it's more important than ever before when you're giving holistic financial advice, which is what we do, that you've got to look at the tax returns and, and how someone is structured. Sure. I, you know, a, a classic example of of someone who failed to do that. I was looking at a return of an individual who uh, this year is going to be paying about $1,000 more in Medicare Part B premiums because they were $10 over their threshold. And, you know, that's just inexcusable. Right. You know, that's inexcusable. And it all happened from some sales at year end, the advisor wanted to capture some capital gains. They were looking at some different planning strategies and they completely failed to look at a projection of what their, their income was. And, you know, had they taken $11 less in capital gains, it would have saved the client a thousand dollars or something like that in Medicare part B premium. So you just, you can't look at one element of the plan and ignore, like you just can't ignore taxes. You open up a traditional IRA. It's a tax move because you could have had a Roth IRA instead. You put money into your Roth 401k. It's a tax move because you could have put it into the traditional side. You sell an asset, you buy everything you do has tax consequences. So the idea of you know, uh, well, we're just investment people, or we just look at, you know, stop. You, you just, I don't understand how people look at things in isolation. And, you know, to that, and I, you know, I've had the pleasure of knowing both of you for many years right now. And our connection has always been through your hunger to learn more about taxes, which, you know, is so 
it's right up your alley. But when we look industry wide, it's so rare for financial professionals to take the time and effort that, that you both do when, when it comes to those types of things. You know, to me, and I think, you know, we were kind of going back to talking about the tax preparer and the tax planner. It's almost like right brain, left brain. A tax planner, I think, needs to be a little, they have to be creative. They have to be able to think through and look at all of the pieces of the puzzle and then begin to fit them together in an artful way. Whereas a tax preparer, is basically gathering the data and getting it on into the program or onto the form. So that proactiveness, and unfortunately, I think there's a lot of clients that the reason that, well, we certainly know that the gentleman that made that mistake, he wasn't aware of what he was doing, but he didn't have anybody to do the one thing that I yell over and over. And was that Jude? Do the math. Do the math. <laughs> if he would have just done the math, he would have been able to avoid that. It's true. So, Jeffrey, you know, there's things like Roth conversions, there's sure. income or deduction bunching, there's charitable stuff. Give us about four or five things that maybe would be some easy things that clients would want to focus on first or to either bring up to their person or to, to begin to look at as proactive things that they might be able to do to begin to lower their taxes in the future. Sure. So, I mean, we could start with Roth conversions. I think that's a, a good place to start because it's, uh, you know, if we're looking at taxes as being relatively low today, or as uh, I, I believe we were talking beforehand, you mentioned like they're on sale. Well, when stuff is on sale and you know you need it, you buy more of it and you're going to need to pay taxes at some point, right? It's not just that they magically disappear at some point in the future. It's just a matter of pay me now or pay me later. And it's many cases, it's pay me now some or pay me more later. And people need to get out of their heads that winning is having the lowest tax bill in a certain year. Winning is not having the lowest tax liability this year. Winning is having the lowest cumulative lifetime tax bill. And in some cases, that even extends beyond your own life to a surviving spouse's life or even to other heirs like children, grandchildren, etc. So it's not having the lowest bill this year because many times, not that we want to pay unnecessarily high taxes in any year, but oftentimes doing something for the future means you have a little bit of short-term pain right now. And a Roth conversion is a great example of that. You know, this year, for instance, let's take into consideration current tax year. Well, 2020 has been an awful year for a lot of people for a variety of reasons. Uh, we've had unemployment rolls at you know record-breaking rates, uh, millions unemployed for periods of time. People who have never been on unemployment in their life have been on an unemployment this year. And so there's a lot of people this year who are going to see substantially lower incomes than they do otherwise. And that's in a low tax rate environment. So this year might be that time to, you know, make lemonade out of lemons. And, you know, if you're hoping to get back to work later this year, great. But if you were out for six months or eight months, your income might be much lower this year than it will ever be again, or at least we hope so. And so let's look at accelerating some of that income this year from a Roth conversion. For those who have uh, gap years between the time that they retire 
and the time that they start taking social security or taking required minimum distributions. Once again, those can be low income years where we accelerate. So in looking at our big picture goal, which is once again, the lowest lifetime tax liability, it's about pushing income out or deferring income in years where your income is high or tax rates tend to be higher. And it's about bringing in that income in years when your income tends to be lower. And kind of that push-pull dynamic is what makes a effective tax plan. But there are obviously other things to do. For instance, we could also look at locating assets in an appropriate manner. You know, too often individuals, they have their assets kind of in, in different accounts without any thought to the process, right? They just kind of how they ended up there over time. They decided at one point they wanted to buy this and they had some money in their taxable account. So they did it. And then the next time they wanted to make a buy of an investment, they had money in their IRA that was, you know, uh, in cash or an investment that they wanted to get rid of. But there was no real cohesive thought to the overall process of, where am I putting my investments? Am I putting my least tax efficient investments inside my tax deferred accounts? Am I putting my most tax efficient investments inside you know, my taxable investments? Am I putting my growth fee investments inside my Roth IRA where the whole point of the Roth is you get tax free growth? Right. So, you know, that's a second item. And then kind of a corollary to that would be Many individuals, by the time they reach the point where they're in distribution phase, you know, there's kind of the two halves of the game, if you will. There's the accumulation, let me save as much as I can. And then there's, okay, great, I saved, I reached the mountaintop, so to speak, and now I've got to get back down. How do I safely take out my money into the, uh, in the most optimal way possible? And, you know, there's the old adage of, well, don't touch your retirement accounts until you have to. Then after you spent all your taxable dollars, spend your IRAs, and then after that, touch your Roth. And certainly better than the reverse where you start with your Roth IRAs, but it is rarely the optimal approach. More often than not, the optimal approach is some combination of accounts or some combination of using your taxable accounts to keep your income low so that you can do more Roth conversions for later on. And you know, it's those types of things that you know, a professional can really help add color on and guidance where you just don't think of these things as a, a typical a consumer because frankly, a lot of professionals don't, you know, so I always tell consumers there should be three answers to your investment questions is what do you own? You know, so is, is it a stock? Is it a bond? Is it real estate? How do you own it? Because if we look at things like even real estate, well, you can own a REIT that's traded and there are some tax characteristics associated with that. You could buy the house next to you and rent it out. That's a real estate investment. Entirely different tax characteristics. You get depreciation and, and all sorts of other things to consider there. And then there is beyond what do you own and how do you own it, but where do you own it, right? Based on those tax characteristics, are you locating it in your IRA, your Roth accounts, your taxable accounts, et cetera? And I find that most consumers have addressed to some degree question one, right? What should I own? They have an idea of, oh, I should have this much stocks and this much bonds. They've at least done some some homework there. And the advisor, if they're working with one, has, has given them an idea of what an appropriate stock to bond allocation might look like. Much fewer individuals have really had the deep discussion of how, and almost no one has had the discussion of where. And so that's, you know, that's another way of, you know, taking it to the next level and really trying to minimize taxes over a lifetime is addressing those other two questions. You bring up a great point. One of the things that we talk about sometimes with clients who first engage us, a lot of people want to talk about, you know, what has been your investment experience? 
you know, how high were your returns last year? And that's not what we engage in. What we engage in is holistic financial planning. And one of the concepts that we talk about is tax alpha and looking, I've heard you say this before, when you're looking at taxes and you've, once you've paid them, the opportunity is gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you have an investment and it goes down one year, that investment, if you hold it long enough, may come back. But once you've paid your taxes and you've made that mistake, that opportunity is gone. Yeah. And and in fact, that's, you know, it's good to do good tax planning, but a bad tax move is infinitely more damaging than a good tax move. You know, there are entire fortunes that are, are squandered or entire retirement savings where an individual builds for decades and they just aren't aware of a certain rule and they run afoul of something, and all of a sudden they find that they have an income tax bill on five, six hundred thousand, seven, a million dollars or more in some cases, because they just weren't aware that a specific rule existed, or they interpreted it correctly, or frankly, sometimes it's because they're still operating under an old a manual, an old manual, so to speak. You know, they they haven't realized the changes that have occurred. And my goodness, the last few years between the Tax Cut and Jobs Act and this year alone, we've had in the last you know six, seven months, the SECURE Act, the CARES Act, the PPP Flex. I mean, there's just a never ending stream. And then the IRS to kind of, you know, to further round out this has just been issuing IRS notices seemingly on a daily basis. I think we're up to 55 or something like that notices from the IRS this year to provide additional guidance, which is just it's really difficult to stay on top of things for professionals. It's even harder if you're just doing this, you know, from time to time as a, uh, you know, as an armchair quarterback, so to speak. Well, great conversation here today with the guys on Plan Wise, Retire Free, Jude and Mike, and of course, our special guest, Jeff Levine here with us. So folks, make sure you subscribe to the podcast to tune in to the second part of this, which we'll have out in a week or two after this first part. So if you have not yet done so, go to planwiseretirefreepodcast.com. That's planwiseretirefreepodcast.com and click on the subscribe button for whatever app or platform you use, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever the case might be. You can find all that air at the website. You can also just give them a call if you have questions or concerns about anything you hear today. 800-779-4592 is the number you should call before you take any action on any show, anything that you hear on any show like ours or any others. Always check with Qualified Professional. 800-779-4592. I'm going to wrap us up this week here on the podcast, but make sure you tune into part two, which we will have out soon. This has been Plan Wise Retire Free with Jude and Mike and Jeff. Guys, thanks for your time this week, and we'll see you again very soon. Thank you. The preceding program is sponsored by Jude Wilson and Mike Mott, which is solely responsible for its content.